In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy Beck Did It Better. This is album number six, Marvin Gaye and What's Going On. Oh, hey, in fact, you know what? I just got invited to a party. Let me let me go into this party here. <laughs> hey, not much. What's happening with you guys? Hey, what's you, happening? Can I put my coat down or can I put my... Hey, well, you know. Anybody I, got, no, anybody I already got talked about eggs? what's happening. But Did you bring the egg? Can, yeah, I was... Is, I was supposed to meet Suzanne here or... No, I, I, I got this cheese deck. Where should I put the cheese deck? We're just deck. having a good... In the kitchen? Okay. We're having a good time. Oh, what's up, man? Is yeah, Russell's no. Bumble date not here? I... Oh, look at over by the eggs. It's Matt, Aaron, and Russell. And they're all eating you. Rob, your phone's ringing. Oh, that's, oh, this is my ring time. All right, so this joke is supposed to go on for another 10 minutes. But I think we could start right now. When you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time, but you're just too lazy to look it up online. If you want to hear from guys who chat and then they get off track, I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Beck did it better. Hello, everybody in podcast land. Oh, I do not like that. I do not like that one bit. That is very bad. This is Beck did it better. And today we are talking the tragic story of Marvin Gaye. Uh, and there's six album on the list. Uh, what's going on for a modern day tragedy? Let me introduce you to my co-hosts. Say hi so our listeners can tell all of our very distinct voices apart. We got Matt in Minneapolis. Matt, how are you? Good, good. Thanks, Rob. Doing well. We have Aaron, who's uh, residing out in Tahoe right now. Aaron, how are you? Yes, hello from Tahoe. I'm here with the birds and the bees. Well, don't get too excited about it, Aaron. Uh, And we have (laughs) Russ in Minnesota. Russ, how are you? Rob, love can conquer hate every time. Give out some love and you'll find peace sublime. Oh my God, Russ! That's you're such beautiful. a genius. That's beautiful. Nice job. When when do we get to Sublime on this list? They're next. They're right oh. after Marvin Gaye. <laughs> uh, before we get any farther, guys, I got news for you. The Beck line is actually kind of taking off. So we're going up. All right. Hi, my name is Krista, and I am a first-time listener, long-time caller. And I just want to share that I feel like you really missed the boat when talking about Eleanor Rigby in your most recent podcast. What? Um, you missed the fact that Eleanor Rigby was the inspiration that listen to this podcast? for the <laughs> classic song, Song Song, by Cisco. Mm. He um, borrowed the beat from the song, but he also was inspired by the violinist and the cellist, but completely rewrote the string section so that he wouldn't have to deal with copyright issues since Michael Jackson owned the rights to the Beatles music at that time. And that was his inspiration for writing that song that I danced to so many times at the long ago bar known as Bar Abilene in uptown Minneapolis, RIP Bar Abilene. But yeah, shout out Bar Abilene. I don't really know that you guys can call yourselves musical experts for not knowing that. Thank you. 
Listen, us dancing at Bar Abilene to Thong Song, you don't have to talk to Russell and I about doing this. this that was what just we called a Thursday. That wasn't yeah. even our weekend. That was just a normal time. So I went to Bar Abilene to watch the Timberwolves play against the Grizzlies when they had Pau Gasol. I feel like I was missing the boat. Oh my god! My time at Bar Abilene. I almost fell asleep from that story. And there went all and there went all of our listeners. Man. <laughs> the, the, the old Pau Gasol story. I have to say though, immediately. Hearing this voicemail from a woman saying that I did something wrong already is just, it's typical. It's frustrating. I thought my Eleanor Rigby take about me being the, the lonely person who had to pick up the rice was probably my greatest music take ever. And then it turns out the one woman who listens to our podcast decided she needed to call it and say, actually, we got that completely wrong. Listen, if you're a woman who listens to the podcast and you want to tell us what we've done in our wrong in our life, 802-277-BECK. <laughs> so let's listen real quick. Okay, so Krista in Minnesota tells us that Cisco. Let me see that and the chorus specifically, he got inspired by Eleanor Rigby. All right, so that's Cisco thong song. Okay, a very kind of a modern day, a classic. you know, Eleanor Rigby in many ways. Um, talking about the d- deeper issues. I think like this album today, it's talking about a lot of issues at the time. Uh, and then if, if you, if you, you can't really hear it though, but you can hear the beat because he actually, those aren't samples. Those are real string players. He had in for thong song playing on actual instruments, Props. but he kept that same beat and you can really hear it when you mix somebody online, mixed Eleanor Rigby and Cisco together. Thong song. Check us out. This is Cisco. Now listen to for Eleanor Rigby. I don't think it's that close. I, I think we're okay with this. It's it's the beat, right? But he didn't want to pay Michael Jackson, who owned all the Beatles recordings. So instead, what he did is he took that same beat and kind of the same idea, and he remixed it. Yeah, he's interpolating, but I I don't I don't really hear it that close. I mean, it's it's there, but it's not like so obvious that we should have picked it up. Obviously, our caller is a Cisco scholar, and when she makes a Cisco podcast, I will happily call into the Cisco, to the thong line. But I don't think we made such a big well, mistake Let me, let me just say this. I think, I think I know Krista from Minneapolis. Minnesota or Minneapolis? I forget where she's from. I, I, let's, I, I, have, her, I have her number. I could just put it out. It, it comes into the Google line. <laughs> now, we can just now, say it on the Now we're podcast. doxing callers to the back line. And let me just say that out of everybody I know, Krista was the expert of the dance floor at Bar Abilene in the early 2000s. And so, except for Russ and I. Except for you and Russ. But I think yeah. she had CJ, the, the bouncer at the, uh, at the door. He had, a, he had like a belt buckle that would light up. I think it said his name. It like scrolled across. Like CJ was classic. I think she, knew, I think she had CJ on her uh, speed dial. Um, and so, yes, if anybody knows about Cisco, about... Uh, you know, anybody else, some Nelly, some um, Miley Cyrus, I think Krista knows. And so we need to uh, pay attention to what she's saying and, and take it her word for it. All, all, all equally good to the Beatles. I'm saying when she makes the thong podcast, I'm calling in. This, uh, by the way, a Cisco podcast would be the world's shortest podcast. <laughs> it would be about a half an episode. And they do exactly what we're doing now. And then they'd be like, well, I guess that's it. 
I liked that Drew Hill song in my bed. That was my favorite Cisco song. Wait, wait, there are multiple Cisco I can't, songs. I cannot hit the sound clip this early in the podcast. <laughs> it was a great, great song about finding somebody else sleeping in your bed, in my bed by Drew okay, Hill. Okay, so you said you weren't going to call to the Cisco podcast, and now here, <laughs> now have to do it. Hey, this is Rosie. I'm calling the Cisco podcast. Uh, so I wanted to talk about actually the other song that we all know from Cisco, which is definitely called "In My Bed" or something like that. Uh, the, you know, Cisco lives in Minnesota now. <laughs> no. Does he hang out yeah. with Master P? He, he married a girl from Maple Grove. He, he lives up in uh, Maple Grove. Yep. I did not know that. So Cisco is in the suburbs. Cisco is in the suburbs. Does this That's mean, he's one of us. Does this mean that I am not the most famous man in Minnesota with gray hair? That Cisco <laughs> is more famous than me in Minnesota? So so that Cisco's gray hair, I was reading, I read more articles today about Cisco than most people have, I bet, today. <laughs> and well, how many articles are there on Cisco? There, there can't be like this plethora, this library. If you type it. in Eleanor Rigby and Cisco, there's more articles than you would guess. And and he said that at the time he had never even seen a thong on a woman before he wrote the song. He just what? knew they were out there. They're like this what? mystical thing because he's like in ninety, you know, in ninety whatever they weren't that popular. But he said that somebody said, "Oh yeah, I was on a date and some girl handed me her thong, the thong, thong, thong." And he's like, "Oh, I got to make that into a song." And he said that when he made the song, he it's like when um, Moses went up to the rock and he it went up to get the tablets and he had black hair and then when he came down. <laughs> He had seen God, so he had gray hair. That's why he dyed his hair gray, because his thong song was the equivalent of the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not get underwear that covers your whole butt. Yeah, I think he was a gospel musician as a kid, so that makes sense. I think he was steeped in the tradition. I, I cannot play the sound clip this early. I cannot play that's Rosie's left field. But you know what? You did just say that Cisco was a gospel musician. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Oh, that was Aaron's left what the hell is he talking about? We've been recording oh, about two man. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that one at the top. You're going to have to use it again, I'm sure. I'm, I'm oh sure I got God. another one. I'm sure I got another one. I have to admit, hearing his story about his gray hair sounds like a much better Bumble opener than me just saying, I just look old and my hair's genetic. I'm going to go change that now. <laughs> my hair my hair is genetic. I like that. I did not. Do they think maybe you dyed it that way? That you dyed it gray? Like Cisco. You just tell him, yeah, you went to Cisco's hairstylist. Ciscut. Ciscut. <laughs> you better trademark that now. <laughs> just everybody. It's just an ad of me cutting hair and everyone coming out has gray short hair. Hey, come on down to Ciscut. Wait, I can do this better. Hey, come on down to Ciscut. Only now. <laughs> Back to school special, 20% off any kid under the age of 17. It's just like a thong, it's 80% off. <laughs> By the way, thongs, I do have to say, thongs are like, have such a place in my life. We, I need to hear more about this. Right. Of like, they they basically changed my life. When I, when I started dating a girl and she had a thong, I was just like, this is the greatest <laughs> day of my life that the one girl I'm dating in high school wears a thong. I was like, this is, and she will just show it to me. I was like. I was like, that was my Ten Commandments. You know what I mean? It was like, thou shall look at ass. And I was like, so that was one. What was number two? Thou will cover your girlfriend's mom. <laughs> thou shall not, or thou shall. All right, what's number three? Can we come up with ten? 
Oh, yeah. I can come up with ten commandments of being high school. All right. Are let's you go. We're, at, we're at two. Thou shalt not covet your mom or thou shalt. Thou shalt ask your first girlfriend to stick out her tongue and you would suck on it for some reason. You thought that was a cool thing to do? <laughs> I'm surprised that wasn't a top two. But looking back, it's kind of like this male, like, in charge thing that makes you feel kind of ill now. Uh, that was four. Okay. Okay. Thou shall not clean your car, even though a girl's going to get in the car, and you, it's like the number one thing you can sh- do to show that you're a normal person. Okay. Thou shall get upset when this girl dumps you and say that you're going to regret this to her, which is now something actually, ironically, you regret for the rest of your life. That was a big bummer. <laughs> <laughs> the way I acted when I got dumped was the most pathetic <laughs> thing. And if I if I could go back in time and tell myself, like, just I'd be like, don't. You're going to get dumped. Just say, oh, okay, well, it's been really nice, and I appreciate it all the time. Or, you know, whatever you say. In 20 years, you're going to talk about this on a podcast, and you're going to feel real stupid. Yeah, no. <laughs> Instead of, you're going to regret this. And, and this is what I said. And I, this is really embarrassing for me to say this, but I'm a new, I'm a 2020 male. I can say this. I said, I'm going to drive my car home really fast. I mean, can you imagine? That's like something my 11-year-old would say to me right now. And I'm like, okay, you got to go to bed. Oh, I'm going to go to bed so much I might die. And then are you happy that if I die? Oh, my God. So pathetic. Meanwhile, Aaron's like just like making out with two girls. I, I picture him in a car. Another girl's driving, of course. He's in the front seat in the middle. And he's got two girls. He's like, blah, 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 blah. Never is this podcast yet. stereo? Can you hear this if I go, blah, 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 blah. hold on, hold on. I got to change sides. my prescription glasses to my purple John Lennon sunglasses. <laughs> oh, the tint is too dark on these. None of those things ever happen. I mean, the purple sunglasses happen, but. Mm-hmm. The question is, am I going to keep this in where I talk about how pathetic I am? But I think I have to. <laughs> well, you got number six. So, okay. What's oh number God, seven, okay. Rob? Stay tuned for uh, next week when we reveal the other four commandments of Rob in high school. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's a cliffhanger. T- oh, thou shall wear a sweater vest because your girlfriend bought you one <laughs> and you walk in and everybody laughs at you. That's just smart thinking. If your lady buys you a shirt, you wear the shirt, man. <laughs> okay, we got we got three more. We're getting cl- we're, we're almost there. We got three more. Okay. Uh thou shall do a weird thing where she gets naked and you only take your shirt off <laughs> for the whole relationship. <laughs> Do we, do we need to put Rob stuff. in the corner for advice or what? Yeah, Rob might need some advice. Okay, we got number. Okay, we got two Christopher more. from Minnesota has affected me deeply. <laughs> um, and looking back, of course, that's the old, you know, shirt in the pool, but like the opposite somehow. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> You're hiding your best part. This is like, my, this is my therapy. Uh, and it's actually been more expensive than therapy after buying all this equipment. Got uh, <laughs> yeah, two more. Two more. Oh. Uh, thou shall take a, a woman on a date, on a first date, and order just the appetizer sampler as the meal. Well, I mean, that's that's a way to uh, weed out the ones that, that are not worthy, right? Like, if they're not down with the mozzarella sticks, the onion rings. And- oh, no, that was Jenny. That was my <laughs> junior year of college. Oh, I did that. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> so that one worked. That one I, worked. When I did that, I could legally drink. So that just kind of shows like. Wait, but it, it worked for you. So you're saying the whole it time worked. when I've, wa- I've been wanting to take every girl I've gone out with to Perkins for an appetizer sampler. And every time I've thought, well, I better not do that. I better not do that. You're telling me what it worked. Uh, so you're some kind of simp that just orders one appetizer, <laughs> idiot. 
<laughs> no, I think I think what you really want on a date is for most of the time you feel like you need to go to the bathroom so bad that your stomach is going to explode. That's the number one key to being on a great date. <laughs> Eat a bunch of yeah, cheese curds and stuff real right. early. And the 10th commandment of me coming down, picture me, I've got Cisco hair, I'm coming down. Oh, I guess the 10th commandment is uh, thou shall always act like you're looking around at other women at all times. I think women really like that, actually. <laughs> I was uh, I was in an airport once with Jenny, and I was, the girls were like, I don't know what. <laughs> this was after I was married with two kids. And the kids were like five and three. And this girl started, this woman started talking to me at the airport. She was pretty attractive. Um, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm flying with my sister and her two kids. <laughs> helping out. And Jenny was right there. Uh, and she didn't look happy, but I think it really showed her what kind of alpha male I was, and that uh, women like that. Is everybody is everybody still recording? On yeah, their I'm still recording. Oh, yep. that's too bad. We're at 19 minutes. <laughs> so, listen, if you want to call in and make Rob think about all the mistakes he's made when he was in junior high, call in at 802-277-BECK. Uh, my daughter was just talking to me today about middle school because she's got some hair issues going on, and she goes, "This is the first day of middle school. I'm never going to make it." And I said, "Sweetie." You are tall, you're blonde, and you're gorgeous going into middle school. I said, I made it through middle school being me. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. You're going to be just fine. She goes, and then she was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not supposed to be this easy. Rob, do we do we owe any sort of apology or anything for not touching on the thong song when obviously it's such a big part of the Beatles lore and Eleanor Rigby and everyone thinks about the thong song? Is that... Worthy of a, a Beck did it better apology or not? To, yeah, I think, I to think Krista, it is time yep, for us. We owe, we owe Krista an apology. All right. This is going out to Krista in Minis, Minneapolis or Minnesota. And now an apology from Beck did it better. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. <laughs> Beck does it better podcast. <laughs> oh, how do you like that, Krista? <laughs> no apology, but I am going to cry later about it. I am going to drive home fast from this podcast. That'll teach you. <laughs> and now I can't edit that part out. All right. Rob, you're you're a New Yorker now. So what if what if you were to have a breakup in the future and you weren't able to drive fast anywhere? What would be your new your new get back comment? I'm going to do this I'm going to do the same gag I do with my girls, which was where I pretend to jump in front of a subway. Where I turn to them and I say, I love you. And then I look like I'm going to walk in front of the subway when it's coming. <laughs> and they know I'm not going to, but they get scared every time. It's that pretty horrible. Funny. Oh, that's... okay. So that's not the reaction I was expecting. I thought it, you guys would think it's as funny as I do, but you sound like my kids uh, and their therapist. So uh, here's the deal. Rolling going, everybody's. How's it? How's it going? Rolling going. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing well. We're trying to just hold on to a little bit of summer here. Get ready to go back to school with the kids. So. I'm doing well. Summer's over. It sucks. Uh, Aaron, rolling going. How are you doing? Um, well, look, guys, I'm not in a position to say much about um, the world as I sit here near Lake Tahoe on my vacation, but I can't let this opportunity go by um, without talking about uh, how I feel about this album. Uh, I'm going fine. Hanging out with my wife and my son. That's good, but... Um, I'm not feeling good about talking about this album uh, because the things that Marvin Gaye was talking about in 1971 uh, are still happening this week. Uh, millions of acres burned in a wildfire, uh, police murdering people. Um, so I'm sitting here in my brand new uh, anniversary gift, which is my Fuck White Supremacy t-shirt, and I'm ready to uh, give this a shot. But I can't say it's going good. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, right, Aaron, is it's like, 
I, that was me listening to this album too the whole time. I was just like, God, it just is. It just goes over and over, and it doesn't change. I mean, the same stuff he's talking about the 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 police brutality stuff and the environmental stuff. I was like, and then I after, right after listening to this album, I watched some of the Republican National Convention, which was like whiplash. I mean, you want to do two opposite things. It, it's just it's just wild how much we see this over and over and over. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about the music, but I just I had to say what I was thinking about uh, as I was listening to this album this week. So that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, there's no doubt that us choosing to do a comedy podcast talking about this album is definitely a good idea <laughs> and not another one of my major mistakes that I've made in my life. <laughs> Russ, rolling going, how are you doing? I've actually, I'm going great. And I have a really exciting announcement for, for the podcast and for our listeners. Oh, All right. Yes. A I'm few ready. weeks ago, we talked about how I stole records from my mom's house. Yes. And you guys gave me advice on whether I should buy a record player, what type of record player I should buy. And so I went out the other night and I bought my first record player. I'm so excited. And I bought Good this work. just at a basic, like a, a Target. I didn't go to any fancy store. I just bought the basic I'm thing so at Target. I'm so excited to hear all about this. And when I walked out, I decided I'd walk by kind of the music section and just see if they had records or anything. And they did. And so the first what? record that I have ever purchased is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye, oh, this is, which was this on clearance is so cool. for $8.48. So the first this record is... I ever listened to on my new record player, wow. other than the Star Wars theme song, was <laughs> What's Going On by Marvin Obviously. Gaye. I thought you guys would think that was pretty cool. I'm so stoked. That's awesome. For both the listeners out there, Russ is holding up the album into the Zoom camera. <laughs> We're getting a look at that gorgeous cover of Marvin Gaye and his leather trench coat or whatever it is. I love it. Russell, I'm so excited. But so one th- it looks it looks so cool. One thing you said, Aaron, is like sometimes you know things don't change. It's the same thing, same situation we were in forty years ago or whatever. But sometimes the good things don't change either, right? Like I'm I'm also starting my record collection for the first time in 2020. That's right. I like and, that. I like the positive. And Russell, if, if Bumble goes well enough, pretty soon you'll have a kid that will steal records from you and then make fun of them with their friends on a podcast <laughs> so i think that's a that's the best you can hope for i'm just for. wondering if my kids one day are going to be giving me compliments and me like hey your old man he's got the same color hair as cisco that's pretty cool ahead <laughs> <laughs> of his time it hasn't really gone that direction in my in my past history so i'm interested to see how that works hey check this out i stole a record from my dad it's cisco it's got everybody's favorite song i'm stuck in bed <laughs> <laughs> that one that everyone's talking about. Oh, it's a good song. Man. Oh, you mean the one from the hit podcast? <laughs> uh, all right. Rob, how are you doing? Oh, I, you know, I wasn't uh, going to wait for you guys. Good catch, Russell. It. Good catch. I'll tell you what. I'm doing well, but it is summer and being a big guy, uh, it's always tough. And, you know, I'm, I'm going back to teachings. Uh, but I was thinking about this the other day when I was getting a massage. <laughs> and I went to a place, by the way, that... Thinking. This is this is. I went to a new place uh, down in Chinatown. You thinking at the beginning or the end of your massage? Okay, guys, these are <laughs> legit massages. Okay, Jenny was in the next. It's not even a room. There's like a curtain between us. She's next to me. So I don't know what that proves, but something that's got to prove something. So she can't see uh, what's going. You go on. ahead. I'm, I apologize. No, but this massage place. Well, this I wasn't even going to talk about this, but now you got me thinking about it. this massage place. Offers a four-handed massage. What for like sixty bucks for an hour? What is, what, wait, what does that mean? Well, I assume it's when two people massage you. But now that you've got me, now I don't know what that means actually. But I think 
I was thinking like, oh, maybe I do want a four-handed massage. But then I was like, I don't think I could ever go back to a regular massage after having two people massage me at the same time. I would be, you could never go back. It's like flying first class. You can never, ever go back to not flying first class after that. But that's not what I was going to talk about. What I was going to talk about for my rolling going is I'm thinking about becoming a cologne guy. Should I be a cologne guy? Oh, no. Should guys wear cologne? <laughs> what? It just seems like a lot of effort, man. Yeah, it's a risky venture, isn't it? I mean, because there's such a fine line between wearing just the right amount of cologne and then just wearing too much. And if you get branded as the guy that's wearing too much, you, that just sticks with you forever. I think I've proven, though, already with my stories that I often make great decisions and I normally do the right thing. So, yeah, I would go for it. But I was reading, I was, I was, I was reading a story about somebody who ran into Steve Martin, literally ran into him. And they said that Steve Martin okay? ran into him and that Steve Martin smelled really good. And I was thinking to myself, if somebody ran into me and said, oh, my God, that's Rob from Beck Did It Better. I don't think they would say, like, oh, he smells so good. And, and I'm a big guy, and, but I don't smell bad, right? I'm not, like, bad smelling. That's, like, the classic stereotypical big guy thing. But I think I could smell good, like, if I used cologne, right? Right. I think if yep. someone, yep. one of our listeners ran into you, they probably wouldn't talk about your scent. They would probably talk about why you screwed up the whole Eleanor Rigby thing on the podcast. That would be the first <laughs> thing they would probably talk about. But, but you're, trying to, you're trying to brand yourself as the good smelling guy, it sounds like. Couldn't you brand yourself as, as the guy who wears the bow tie or the guy who wears the suspenders or something else? It feels like you're trying to brand yourself as the... the I already have a number of suspenders. That's the problem that I wear to school. I'm already that <laughs> You're guy. You're already that guy. So you want to be, you want to combine multiple things. Well, but see, that's the other problem, right? Is that being a teacher, I don't think I can wear cologne and be a teacher. That's weird. But I think like on the weekends, I could wear cologne. Rob, if you were to be a cologne guy, how would you apply it? Would you kind of like spray it Where in the air start? and walk yeah. through a few times? Or would you put it on the... How would you how would you apply it? You don't even know how I, to do, do this. Do you put it on your wrist? I don't even know don't if there should so. be something that like What if there's a list out there of the five hundred greatest colognes? My dad should have sat me down and been like, son, this is how you put on cologne. And then like <laughs> I don't know like do you put it on your wrist? I thought that was like a perfume. No, thing. man. It's seventh grade when I wear cologne, you know, you spray it out in the air and you walk <laughs> into it. Matt, we need to hear more about your cologne experience. I was never a cologne guy back in the day. I, I probably got cologne once in my life. And it was never really my thing. Matt, Matt, what was your cologne style? Oh, I, I mean, I never I never bought a bottle of cologne. You've always got a couple of buddies who think they're pretty slick and decide they're going to be cologne guys, right? And then if you're going to the junior high dance or whatever, uh, you know, and so they think, hey, yeah, I got some cologne. Let's you do, you know, put some on. And like, well, how the hell do you put cologne? It's the exact same question we're asking right now. Yeah. And we're 40 years old, but no, nah, man, you just spray it out there and walk into it. That's the best way to do it, I think. You don't want to overdo it. You can't overdo it. You don't want to be that guy. I think that's my number one problem with cologne is that it goes too fast. <laughs> no, just kidding. If you've ever had a bottle of cologne, it lasts about 30 years. For some reason, the bottles are so big. It just kind of like no chapstick. Sense. Does anybody yeah, the, ever get to the end of the chapstick? No. Anybody ever get to the bottle? No, you lose it first. Yeah, or it melts. No. The only time I've seen cologne used often is I have a friend who smokes occasionally and will, will be at like a, a corporate event or like an industry event. And he'll go out and smoke a few cigarettes, and he doesn't want to come back into the room smelling like smoke. And so he'll go get his cologne, and he'll spray it and do the walkthrough a few times so he doesn't smell like smoke. Have, okay. have you guys That's ever smart. done the thing? And this is truth time. You have to tell the truth, or something bad's going to happen to you. Tree of trust. Have you ever taken cologne from a magazine and just rubbed it on you? No. There's cologne in magazines? Okay, neither have I. 
Oh, my heart. Hey, sorry, we just exposed Rob's commandment number one. <laughs> now, now Rob has to edit the commandments together for sure because you just made a callback to it. You, What kind of magazines are you guys reading where they don't have cologne that you can rub on you? I told it's you, I only read Rolling Stone. <laughs> Rolling Stone magazine, home of the 500 best albums. You smell like Russell's friend. You smell like cigarette and cologne. You're like, it's a Keith Richards odor. All right. So experience. Uh, what, what's our experience with Marvin Gaye? I'll start real quick. For me, it was just I basically knew, you know, all the oldies, like the old Motown Marvin Gaye. And then I also knew uh, sexual healing. And I will say I sang Let's Get It On at a karaoke contest at Roosters in Northfield, a, a, bar in, a college bar in Minnesota. And I won a... F- Hamburger. I won a oh, free hamburger in that contest. Uh, yeah, it's actually the greatest day of my life. Uh, actually, it's between the birth of one of my children and the birth of my other child. So it's right <laughs> in the middle there. But it, it is. It's a top three, uh, and and around there. Uh, wedding. Okay. Um. So yeah. So that's. I. I mean. I basically that's what I know about Marvin Gaye. I had heard this song, but never this whole album. And again, it's one of these, it's like the Beach Boys, right? Where I got the album and I'm like, okay, I can't wait for it. Let's get it on. And then it's like, it's nowhere to be found. And I was like, oh, sexual healing. It is not on this album. Russ, now that you're a record guy, what's what's your experience with this album? Kind of like you, Rob, there are certain hits from Marvin Gaye that I knew. I know this song. I know the, the song that the California Raisins covered, I believe. Rudy, you did it! Oh, hey, uh, oh sure. <laughs> I mean, love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Heard it through the grapevine. So I know, I know, I know the the hits of the Marvin Gaye songs, but I don't know, I don't know his whole history. I did, I did. One thing I've been trying to do through this whole quest is kind of watch watch a documentary or something, or try to learn something new about this musician. So I did watch a PBS documentary on Marvin Gaye called "What's Going On." Fancy title. I'll give him credit for that one. But one of the cool things is real original. Like obviously. Motown is such a, a huge part of music and we're going to be touching on a lot of Motown albums as we go through this quest, but I don't really have a huge history with Motown. And so it was really interesting to me to hear how Motown was kind of like a car assembly line where the, the writer gives a song to the producer, the producer gives the song to the singer, they give it to the engineer. And it's kind of this assembly line where the songs could be given to anyone. So I really, I really got a kick out of learning more about Motown and then hearing how, Marvin Gaye kind of came up through Motown. And then at one point, you know, the hit songs on this record were not appreciated by Barry Gordy, the, the founder of Motown. So that was really interesting to me. But overall, I didn't really have any history going into it, but it will always be the first record I've ever owned. That's so great. I'm so excited about that. Matt, what's your experience with? Uh, very little. I have very little experience. I mean, I think I know the the five Marvin Gaye songs that have been the top of the charts and stuff like that. But other than that, uh, you know, other than listening to the radio host, Dan Barrero on KFAN here locally, he opens up with uh, the opening of the album, every show he's got. So that's about the extent of the experience I've got with the album. So very, very little. Aaron, how about you? Well, once again, I have more to say on this topic than anyone cares to hear about, but um, I would say nothing, nothing affected my, uh, listening to music to 
to pop music as a kid more than Motown. So my my dad played Motown a lot uh, around the house. Uh, so I had one uh, Motown greatest hit CD that had um, you know Ain't No Mountain High Enough, uh, Heard Through the Grapevine, um, Let's Get It On. Absolutely blew my mind as like an eleven or twelve year old. Like especially when um, like I would get embarrassed when Color Me Bad came on in the car with my mom, and then I heard Let's Get It On, and I was like, Whoa! The people were doing this like thirty years ago. Like this was amazing. Um, so definitely like Motown was always in my mind. Motown was always playing in my house. Like maybe it wasn't actually, but memory is a funny thing. Um, I would say then the, the Marvin Gaye album that I really got into as a younger adult, uh, was here, my dear. Um, I think because I read an article about it in, you know, Rolling Stone or something. Um, this was essentially his breakup album with Anna Gordy, Barry's sister. Um, that's like mm-hmm. some super space funk kind of stuff um, that he basically made like, well, I got to make one more album and give you half the the royalties. So here you go. Um, so I got super into Here My Dear. Um, what's going on? I came to later in my life. I don't think I was really ready for it, uh, like emotionally for the themes. Um, but it's definitely now an album that I come back to a lot and play around the house a lot because I love it. And um, it's just like just one universal groove that I can always get into. Uh, and obviously, I, I mentioned the things he was saying, I think, are always relevant. So that's um, that's how I feel about Marvin. I, I would say my one Marvin record that I own um, is a, a record of his duets with Tammy Terrell um, that has um, something stupid mm. on and a couple of other great things. So um, just great music. And Tammy Terrell is a huge part of Marvin Gaye. Russell. Aaron, one thing you mentioned is that album he made about his ex-wife at the time. What was, her, what was that album again? Uh, Here, My Dear, about Anna Gordy. So one of the coolest things that I found out when I was watching this documentary about him is he essentially wrote this album because he owed her alimony, right? Yeah. And he, he was he was going to try to make it the worst album ever so she would get no money out of it because he was behind on all these alimony payments. So they, the judge essentially said, right. make another album. You got to give her half the money. And so he goes out and he tries to make the worst album ever. So she gets nothing, and it turns out it turns into this amazing album anyways. It's, I just thought it and was it's really good. an amazing story. Yeah. I mean, it was nothing that could be played on the radio because all the songs were like six, seven, eight minutes long, like these extended jams. But yeah, it's a great album. I love it. That's why I can never get divorced. I don't want my wife to get half of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it would be terrible if every other episode it's like us talking, and then she's over top like, oh, that dummy. What's he doing? He should be washing the dishes. <laughs> uh, so Aaron, is it true that when you were driving around with your mom and she heard you listening to Color Me Bad, she goes, you know, actually you have to uh, lick it before you stick it? <laughs> it, 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 it's time oh, for one on one with Aaron's mom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, what I was thinking of was um, I Want to Sex You Up because that was like, that was number one on the Q, Q102 top five at nine for a oh, long yeah. time and I'd be driving home from choir practice and that would come on but it was not like it before you stick it <laughs> oh okay that's my bad sorry i thought i heard that i, I must have been mistaken uh so real quick talking about this i think the best way to talk about this album putting it in context is just talk about marvin gay in general uh marvin gay was born in uh, washington dc <laughs> we're starting away but when he was one he uh, and then basically he came up and he moved to Detroit and he had his first hit was How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You in 64. I want to stop and thank you, baby. I want to stop and thank you, baby. Hey, now, how sweet it is. And then he started cranking out these hits with Tammy Terrell that we talked about, like Ain't No Mountain in 67. 
And all of a sudden, so think about this. He releases Ain't No Mountain in August of 67. It's, it's their biggest hit, right? Ain't no and in October, so two months later, um, Terrell faints in the studio while they're singing, and it turns out mm. she's, she's suffering from a brain tumor. Mm. In 68, then, the next year, he comes out with that, um, the, the heard it through the grapevine, and in 70, Terrell dies, and at this point, Marvin is totally destroyed by her her passing away um, and stops doing anything, stops making music, decides for a little bit he wants to become a professional football player and goes and tries out. Uh, he, he's thinking about trying out for the Detroit Lions and eventually decides not to. He probably made the right decision there, right? Like, uh, he, I'd, I'd probably rather so. just make make no professional life for myself as opposed to being a Detroit Lion, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about like his his physical health. You know, you're like, no, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, wait. You're recording all these number one hits, and you're going to play for not, not the Steelers, not the Cowboys, <laughs> the Detroit Lions. I think this is the first person on the list where it is a possibility they could have played professional football. Right? Like, you don't see Ringo in like a football helmet. He's like, oh, hey, hey, Paul, pitch me the ball. Hick one, hick two, huh? <laughs> Uh, and that was an excuse to bring up my awesome Beatles impression again. Mike Love. I mean, Mike Love's the uncle of an NBA player. Like, maybe he could have made some professional sports, but you can edit that out. That's Let's a go. great point. Let's, I'm going to Photoshop Mike Love. We're going to Photoshop all these people into football. How, how, awesome would it, the best. how awesome would it have been if Bob Dylan was a quarterback and he got to do all the calls, like, out on the field? Like, he's like, Omaha! Omaha! <laughs> Mama's in the basement. Cooking up to medicine. X, Y, left, right. Do the, do the, oh, delay a game. Delay a game. That was a seven-minute song. Bob. Bob. That could work. Who keeps right, blowing that fucking that harmonica? <laughs> All right. The refs, instead of the whistles, they have that. <laughs> Bob Dylan should buy the XFL. I saw The Rock just bought the XFL. If Bob Dylan bought the XFL and just... Just turned all of the things about the XFL, like they get rid of the funky kickoff rules, and instead it's just Bob Dylan making funny sounds while the players react to it. That would be amazing. I'd watch the hell out of that. Yeah, uh, I honestly would watch that more than I've watched the other XFL, for sure. Um, Bob's FL. Oh, damn it, i got to edit that out. That was not a good joke. It didn't even make a sense in my head, and I still said it. So basically, uh, then the, the, the guy from the, a guy from the Four Tops saw um, some – somebody uh, at a anti-war protest in Berkeley getting beat up and writes a song, what's going on. And they tried to give the song to Joan Baez. They tried to give the song to the four tops. They tried to give it to a couple other people. And finally, Marvin, uh, Marvin Gaye records it, sends it to Barry Gordy at Motown. And Barry Gordy says, absolutely not. I'm not going to release this. It's too political. This is not what Motown is. I, this is going to destroy your career. There's no way. They did release it. It goes on to be number one for five weeks. It's the fastest selling, fastest selling single in Motown history. Mm-hmm. Um, and after this, Barry Gordy came back to Marvin and said, I want a full album. And Marvin was like, and, and it's really interesting when you hear this album because all the songs relate so much to um, what's going on. And in fact, the last song loops back around. This whole, this whole album, if you listen to it, it's real hard to see when songs start because they just it's just this continuous cycle and at the end it actually has the same music as what's going on so it, it comes back in but all of that was not written at the same time it's all based off this first song and Barry Gordy says I'm going to bet you some amount of money that you cannot finish an album in 30 days 
And Marvin said, oh, I can do that. And so sure enough, he, he came out with this album, pro- made it, produced it, mixed it, got it done in a, in a month after this, which is absolutely unbelievable. And in fact, it was such a rush that when they were printing out the album art, he took all the masters and flew to Los Angeles and actually made, totally remixed the album in the last couple of days. Because this is one of the first times where the artist was now a producer at Motown. Like you said, normally this was the idea of a car where it was just an assembly line getting picked up. And now this is like on The Simpsons where Homer designs his own car, right? Mm. And it just normally it would turn into the Homer car, mm. just a terrible, terrible idea. And this is just, again, we see in this list, it's a true genius having total control. And he comes up with his magnum opus yeah. in 30 minutes. I mean, it's, and nobody else thinks it's any good. It's, it's just, it's insane to me. Um, and a big part of that was that this grabs me too because when I when I hear it, I think it sounds like a West Coast record, mm-hmm. and I realize that he re- he recorded most of it in Detroit, but you know I don't think he made huge changes to the sound. But to me, it sounds like a West Coast record. It sounds like he's adding in sounds from. the He West did Coast. make changes for Motown because you know most of Motown was using these Funk Brothers as their backup band, which is by far the best name of a backup band. It beats out Wrecking Crew by a little bit. But to be, if I could tell you right now that oh yeah, I used to be a Funk Brother. Oh my God, that's so awesome! Right, uh, we'd get married and, right now. We'd be married. Will you marry me? I'm a funk brother. Yes, I will. <laughs> will you marry me, funk brother? Um, unlike Fat Boy Slim, Fat Boy Slim. It's not like Fat Boy Slim where he was like, "I want to marry a funk soul brother." And basically, Marvin Gaye, instead of using all of the funk brothers, he decided to go grab some jazz musicians um, that were playing in Detroit. And that's why what's really interesting in this is the percussion on this album. There's no kit. There's no drum kit on this album. It's all congas. It's all that. It's all Latin percussion. Yeah, it's right? all like triangles and like that scratchy fish thing that Russ used to play when he was in the elementary school music that class. That would be the Wiro. And <laughs> it didn't stop in elementary school. I still nice, play Russell. it on my second dates. Hey, hey, you want to hear my version of what's going on on the Wiro? Man, major oh, major props for knowing that, dude. That's that's. I would good. think a Wiro is more of a third date. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing in the back seat back there? I have a whole collection of weiros, and the best part is they're all different types of fish. Like I have a walleye euro, a salmon euro, a crappie euro, a bluegill euro, a weiro, weiro, not a euro. That's like the things. You, yeah, those are the sandwiches. A weiro, the currency of a whole continent. If you don't have a picture of you praying the the weiro on your Bumble profile, Russell, you're making a huge, huge, huge mistake. Few edits. Definitely make a mistake. Just put you playing the weirdo and underneath put Funk Brother number one. Oh my god, brilliant stuff. Going into the album, let's let's go through it. Um, the the album is based around the idea of a, a Vietnam War veteran coming home, and that's why this first part is um, the talking at the party. This best opening song yet. I think I've said that every podcast, but this one I mean. You think so? Yeah, this one. Yeah, when that bass hits. You guys rank this ahead of, like a Rolling Stone, you rank it ahead of the Beatles opener, yes. you rank it ahead of Pet Sounds. Yeah, yeah I do. I, I wasn't singing like a Rolling Stone over and over and over today. I mean, listen to this. And I want to say, Rob, you, you said you listened to this album listening for Let's Get It On, because you were like, you know, that's what I know about Marvin right. Gaye. Uh, if you listen to his 1974 live album, which was recorded uh, at Oakland Coliseum, uh, his last, his 1974 live album, uh, he plays what he plays. Let's get it on into what's going on, and they, they work together. And if you read interviews with him when he talked about let's get it on, I mean, maybe he was full of shit, but he talked about let's get it on as being more than just about sex. It was spiritual. It was 
let's all get it on. Let's live in harmony. And so the, the, the music is more related than we might have thought. That's a third date thing, Do Russell. Do you believe that, though? Because when I was watching the... When I, <laughs> all right, I'm going to have to take a note for that, too. <laughs> Do you believe that, though, Aaron? Because when I'm watching the documentary, like, a lot of his performances near the end of the career, like, he's literally singing these songs while he's taking his clothes off on stage. I don't, yeah, I, I mean, but this was 74. So I think he believed it for a time. And then, yeah, it worked for him to, you know. But, I mean, he was a complicated man. He contained multitudes. But he, I mean, first of all, taking off the clothes singing Marvin Gaye is how I won that hamburger and ate that hamburger. <laughs> um, but I'll also say, like, in 74, you can't come out and say, like, oh, yeah, that song is about fucking. Like, you just can't be like, oh, yeah, let's get it on. And also, I'm, I'm going, I'm circling back again to a joke. I would sing... Um, what's going on first, and then let's get it on. Because that's the question, right? Like, hey, what's going on? Let's get it on. You can't say, like, oh, let's get it on. And then be like, hey, what's going on? You know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, that has definitely been a problem with the way I've approached women over the last few years. This is Russ trying to sneak out of some girl's apartment, and she goes, hey, what's going on? After he said, let's get it One on. One thing Matt mentioned about the song is that there's a local radio show in Minneapolis that the song is kind of their opening bumper. And I have to admit, I love this song, but the fact that it's been used on a radio show over and over for so many years has kind of ruined it for me. And I'm kind of curious when I listen to it, I want to think, oh, this is one of the greatest songs ever. But that's not the way I hear it. I just hear it as this song that this radio station has poached. And and the more I thought about it, it kind of makes made me think it's kind of self-indulgent and, and arrogant for a radio show to take one of the five or six greatest songs ever and put it as their opener for for the lead-in for their radio show. That would be like a couple years from now, Kristen from Minneapolis using the Beck Did It Better soundtrack for her radio show. Like it's it's kind of arrogant to use the greatest one of the greatest songs ever, isn't it? When you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time, <laughs> I don't see what's wrong with it. All right, uh, if maybe Russell, how about this then? I have the uh, before he remixed it on the West Coast to go in Aaron style. I had the Detroit mix. Does this help? I'm, I'm still here in local Minneapolis radio show. Oh, no. But you can hear there's a little oh, difference. You hear the rhythm guitar more in this one, yeah. His, his, yeah, the guitar's higher in the His mix. final version is so much better than that Detroit. You can go search that Detroit mix it's version on beautiful. YouTube. It's so warm and round. Oh, and starting with the talking coming ah. in, and that one actually has the talking at the end. And it's a whole, it's a whole different vibe when you don't, when you, it just, it sets it totally differently. I do want to talk real quick about the bass on that song. Cause a lot of people think that the bass really makes that song and basic, the story is, and of course, who knows all these old stories, you don't know what they're true, but he went and found the bass player at a club and the bass player was just drunk as hell. So he brings this guy, James Jameson, one of the funk brothers, um, brings him back to the studio and says, here's the bass line I want you to play. And the guy is so drunk he has to lay down on his back but because of his state that's why this bass sounds the way it is now the story sounds totally made up to me but it's kind of a fun story the other part of this is that they claim that marvin gay heard this double they 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 recorded his lyrics twice on two different tracks and that they tried to play one to see what he liked more and they played both at the same time and marvin was like that's what i like and that's why for the songs from here on out you hear marvin be double tracked mm. singing it so you can hear both of those things here to bring some loving here today. Yeah. Listen to that bass. Mm. Jeez, just singing on there. We don't need to escalate. 
See, Russell, this is what you'd be saying if you were a funk brother. This. So good. I've been swi- I've been swiping furiously for the last twenty minutes since I've updated my profile to claim that I'm an original <laughs> funk brother. <laughs> just man, any isolated Marvin vocal is just. I mean, you can't beat that. It's just there's nothing better. So good. All right. Uh, next song. Also, I forgot to mention that Marvin Gaye has my favorite version of the national anthem from the 1983 NBA All Star Game. Peep it out when you get a chance. It's good. I, I listened Top to that three. too. It's a good one. Top three. Um, yeah. and definitely wasn't a list idea that we were tossing around. So <laughs> this is the, one of the few albums of all time that starts out with a double question, double, double, double question. Rob, I'm going to stop you. I got to stop you here. What's up? I've, I've read that what's Ooh. going on is not a question. It's a statement. And so I think you need to rewind that. Well, like we, we look at it as being like a, a friendly greeting, if you will. It's not, it's actually a statement. Hey Ross, you know what? I'm really, really. And now an apology from Beck did it better. <laughs> I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Beck does it better. You podcast. know, I actually just, I actually just carry yeah. around this sound clip with me at all times. If any chance I have to apologize, I play that, and people are like, "What's Beck did it better?" And then I have to explain I have a podcast, and then they just feel bad for you me. You should hire a little Irishman to come walk around and, and do it in person for you, Rob. That would be much. <laughs> I that that is a great idea. Nothing could possibly go wrong with that. What's happening, brother? This bass line on this, and you can hear how it flows on the album. Oh, so good. This, yeah, I love the this sounds like a much too. better version of the Love Boat theme song. <laughs> right here, right here. That would oh, it cut out. That would that would be so insulting. Except you said a much. I better said a version, much better Russell. version. So I didn't say Beck did it better. I said it's much a much better, better version of the Love Boat song. Well, you have to imagine, like you know, whoever wrote the Love Boat theme song probably listened to a lot of what's going on. Yeah, you did mention Rob, though. You kind of mentioned it as a question, and I noticed the first two songs in this album, like you said, Rob, are kind of these friendly greeting phrases, right? Oh, yeah, I, I, I didn't notice and that. And so we got it's what's true. going on, what's happening, brother. It made me start thinking, how do I address you guys when I see you as my friends? And I started thinking, what are the greatest friendly greeting songs ever? What are the greatest <laughs> songs ever that are titled after a friendly greeting that you would inter- you would say to your friend when you saw them? So we came up with a list, Rob. Oh, man. There's no, there's no song here called Can I Rub Your Back? <laughs> <laughs> Can I give you a four-handed massage? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing you can't ask that it's impossible but there are things you can ask so maybe we want to maybe we want to tee this up robert dr yeah, rob i'm ready i got the list right here i'm ready no 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 don't we have a, a sting oh shit that's right okay wait <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh at me missing the sticks i totally forget this sometimes <laughs> I also want to warn you guys, it's getting dark in Tahoe. I know shit, we have a camera, we can see you. For another The guy on the West Coast is like, it's getting dark. Yeah, it's been fucking dark here for three hours. All right. I'm saying I could get eaten by a fucking bear, is what oh. I'm saying. Well, I'll keep that in, out of respect. It's like Grizzly Man. We have, we have what's going on, what's happening, brother, but the real question is, is where do these rank on the all-time friendly greeting titled songs? Number four, we got we got a top four friendly greeting song list for 
for you guys to decide what's number one. The first song. I can't believe you were able to find four friendly greeting songs. That's wild to me. Number four is actually a recent hit with the kids these days. We're going to go to Adele. Hello. Matt just got up and went and got his wife out of bed. They're slowly dancing right now. <laughs> Give me three minutes. God, I'm just, I flipped over another Maybe car. Holy shit, that's so it's good. so good. I, Her voice, I don't man. often say hello from the other side, though, when I greet people, but that's the clip I was told to play. <laughs> the next one, yep. <laughs> Rob, do you ever say good to see you? Because sometimes Neil Young would sing good to see you. So let's go Neil Young, good to see you. Good to see you. Ooh, I don't know this one. What? That's. I recently read a joke on Twitter that this is what celebrities say because they don't know if they've ever met someone before or not, <laughs> so they just say it to be safe. Which I've also done, but I'm not a celebrity. Yeah. I always say, "What's your name?" and then they're like, "Huh?" and I'm like, "No, no, your first name." Do you, do you guys have? <laughs> and a, it never works. It never works as well as you think. Do you guys have a fake name? Like, if you were a bartender, would you call everyone Champ or Superstar? Or what's your name for people that you don't remember? In New York, everybody calls each other boss, mm. and I love that. Mm. Like, they hand you a bagel, and you're like, thanks, Ooh, boss. Like that. It's so great. <laughs> That's good. My like wife that. and I also have a policy. If we're at a party and we don't know somebody that we're introducing to the wife, or if she's introducing someone to me that she doesn't know their name, she'll be like, oh, this is my husband, Rob. And that's a signal to me that she doesn't actually know their name, so I have to ask. Got the same thing. I'm horrible <laughs> with names. And so if I, I tell my wife, if I, I like don't that. introduce you, it's not because I'm being rude. I have no idea who that person is, so you have to be It's because I've forgotten which wife I'm with tonight. I'm, I'm telling <laughs> <laughs> Which wife, which family, they're all across the country, right, yeah. Aaron? Right. Sometimes I got to go back to Ankeny, Iowa, and, and stuff happens. I got to hang out with my other family. What am I going to do? But either way, no matter. But that's a good question, Russell, because I, I, I dream about being a bartender, and I know that only one of us on this podcast has actually been to bartending school. I do dream of being a bartender, but I've never come up with what my bartender uh, nickname for others, uh, for um, customers would For most of the bars I've been in, it would be, you piece of shit. <laughs> Well, actually, that's the next song on my list, but Rob only let me have four this time, so I had to cut you piece of shit out of the list. But sometimes you're going to meet one of your one of your wives across the country, and how would you greet her, Aaron? Hello, darling, Conway Twitty. Hello, darling. Nice to see you. It's been a long time. You're just as lovely as you to be you're just as ugly as you used to be <laughs> Conway Twitty what a gangster. voice man <laughs> Jesus, I, I, I think the problem song. with my opening lines with dating is sometimes I forget the hello darling and I just go right to you're as ugly as I've always remembered you to be or whatever the end of that was and it's never gone hello from the other side you're as ugly as you used to be but sometimes when you see your buddies what do you oh, say to man, them Rob? Conway. just say what's up by the four non-blondes. What's going on? It's called What's Up. It is called What's Up. Did you know that? I didn't I've know that. I've seen Pink live twice. And the second time I saw Pink, she covered this. And it was brought the house down. You want to talk about a song that shaped my junior high. And a song that I have sang at karaoke before. This is it right here. 
I don't think, yeah, like, I don't think you guys understand the restraint that I'm exercising to not sing along with these songs right now, because I don't want to subject our listeners to that. Says the guy with a master's in vocal performance or whatever. Yeah, don't sing, you <laughs> What piece do you guys shit. think, Matt, Aaron? What would you yeah. put as the number one friendly greeting song of all time? You could, I'll let, even let you pick a Marvin Gaye song if you want to. I'm, I'm going to go with Conway Twitty. Yeah. Conway Twitty? Aaron? Yeah, I'm with Matt. Conway Twitty, I was so stoked by that one. I got Both go are great that. answers, but sometimes you guys are not creative enough and you just stick with the list. What? And again, we're going to go off the chart this time. <laughs> oh, ah, he's doing again. it again. Because we live in a pandemic world and sometimes a friendly greeting when you get up in someone's face has got to be Get Back by the Beatles. <laughs> hey, like, Ooh. get away from me, dude, in the grocery hey. store. Get back. Six feet. And also, I got news for you, Rob. You know who's playing keys on this? Billy motherfucking Preston. That's right. The fifth Beatle. Billy Preston is playing keys on this. I have no idea who that is. Uh, I actually... God damn it. I actually took a chance and I got on Russ's Bumble earlier and I uh, messaged some of the women to ask them what a good opening line would be. And this is a, what a lot of them said. <laughs> and I was like, that's not nice. I mean, come on. Like, disrespectful. You know, he's a good friend. He's one of the original Funk Brothers. Uh, all right. Man, when you hear that, like, John's vocals are really good. On We're that, not talking about the track. Beatles, Rosie. We're not talking about the Beatles. We're, we have, we have, we are talking about the Beatles, like, Beatles, the Beatles 10 more times on this podcast. I'm not going to spend any time that I don't have to talk about the Beatles talking about the Beatles. Who do you guys think flew <laughs> higher in their lives, Marvin Gaye or the Beatles? Marvin Gaye. What does that even mean, flew higher? Well, I don't know. That's the title of the next song. Oh. <laughs> Marvin Gaye had sex with, like, he had sex with... A million women. He also had sex with like Marlon Brando. Like the dude was living. Well, man. sometimes you measure the success of your life by how many people you've helped, not how many people you've doinked. Doink. <laughs> 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 yeah, I respect women. Okay, it's not just about doinking them. Yeah, Aaron. <laughs> so sad that we're laughing going into the saddest song on the album. Uh, yeah, so this is a fun song about that same Vietnam vet coming home and getting addicted to heroin, which is a major issue at the time. Also, just more incredible bass work. Like, the bass work is so good. Did he have a brother in Vietnam that a lot of this was uh, taken from, his conversations with his brother? Ooh, Anybody is that ever... true? I'm going to edit that in earlier. I think that's right, yeah. No, yeah. I think that's right. God. Yeah, that's one of the saddest songs in Yeah, it's not history. just that he's playing, uh, you know, something that somebody else wrote. I mean... If you're talking to your brother who's come back, who's had it, who's having uh, some issues with coming back, I mean, you're going to get some some deep emotions out of that. Yeah, he was living it. And what's really wild is it really was a pre, it's really a precursor of what happened to Marvin himself in the '70s with cocaine. I mean, it just was. He, it's almost like he saw it coming, right? Uh, so the next song, you know what? Sometimes after a song like that, you just need a nice upbeat song. Here's one called "Oh, Save the Children." All right. Only Marvin Gaye could take something that's where he's talking and singing. Live life. I mean, this should be lame, and it's so good. I mean, so, when he's talking and singing the words, that should sound so stupid. If I did that, you, I would sound dumb. That was going to be my question because I, I do, I did little research, but it, that, that's him both tracks, right? Yeah, he's talking and then singing. So, okay, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. 
the one other the the strange thing that's also tragic that it, that this track reminds me so much of old dirty bastard saying Wu Tang is for the babies, <laughs> Wu Tang is for the children. Get the button ready. And they're both tragic figures, right? Like they get the button ready. Yeah, you know. So like, <laughs> I think of old. I think of ODB. Rest in peace. When I hear this track, I was just about to say that, Rosie. Um, <laughs> by the way, just to give you an idea, that was the fourth single off this album. Can you imagine that a talking track yeah, being the crazy, fourth single, right? but it's a good, it's a it's a banger. So were there, single? Aaron? Maybe you know, were there a lot of? Is this considered spoken word, or were there a lot of these types of tracks back in the the sixties and seventies, or not? Um, you know, I'm gonna get out of my element really quickly, but um, I would say I'm gonna quickly put in a plug for another podcast uh, that has talked about this album, which is the Heat Rocks podcast, because they talked to a spoken word um, artist, a spoken word poet about this album and um yeah i think i don't i don't know that you would consider this spoken word but i think marvin was surrounding himself with himself with poets and people from that genre at the time and he was certainly influenced by Mm -hmm. what was going on um around that i don't know when gil scott heron was releasing stuff i mean i think gil scott heron is kind of the um preeminent um you know yeah spoken word guy i don't know when his stuff came out but um yeah i think marvin was certainly influenced by by people like that in fact i think he brought them on tour with him just to give you our you guys and our listeners a little insight into the background search i may or may not have spent a lot of time trying to find a beck song that was spoken word and i did find one but i was terrified (laughs) if i played it for you guys that you would you would kick me off the podcast because there's no way it's even close to as good as marvin Gaye. that's never you're the you're the progenitor i'm I'm so proud that you showed restraint there russ nice work yep Uh, all right, so uh, song number five, God is Love. Oh. I mean, listen to those, listen to those congas. I'm pretty sure I could sing anything or sing anything over the bass and drums on all these songs, and it would sound fantastic. But can you imagine being at Motown with all, like, the best artists of the time being there? And they're all helping you write songs. I mean, one of the people that wrote helped write this album and didn't get credit for it was Smokey Robinson. I mean, like, can you imagine sitting down? And, yeah, he wrote tons of albums for the Motown label. Can yeah. you imagine sitting down writing an album and then you're working with Smokey Robinson? Like, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is, this is easy. No problem. I think this is interesting, interesting too, um, because to be able to sing about God on record for a mm. long time artists had to choose between gospel and mm-hmm. pop music. Like, you know, we know Sam Cooke made a choice. He left the gospel gospel world to be Oh, pop. yeah, we know that. Aretha struggled with that her whole life. And um, it's really fascinating that, you know, by 1971, Marvin was able to bring in gospel on a pop record when that was a, a thing that just didn't work for many years. And so he was really blending, you know, genres and... and um, Styles, I think piggybacking sure. off what Aaron said, this is a little bit different, but it feels like the themes of his songs here really vary, right? And not all albums do that. So he he starts off with what I would consider protest songs, and then songs about drugs, songs about God. It's really kind of a versatile album if you want to look at it like that, right? Yeah, I agree. Although I think, as we talked about, like I think in his sure. mind it was all yeah, one theme. Sorry, no, I was, was going to say exactly that. It's kind of everything that's going on from East Coast, West Coast, North, South, everything, you know. Here, here's what's going on. Let's talk about it mm-hmm. in each of these songs. That was Matt's smart comment of the week. Ooh, that's some smart shit. 
Oh yeah. Stole it right out of Rosie's hands. It feels <laughs> it it feels like you it's actually not that smart when I play a sting afterwards, but I was really impressed by that. I don't know. It feels like it kind of cheapens it when I have a sound effect where I go, oh, yeah, that was fucking brilliant. Like, can you imagine Einstein's like, oh, this is relativity, you know? As things speed up, they'll actually change size because the space itself contracts. And I'm like, oh, yeah, E equals MC squared. Oh, yeah. And I know that's not relativity. Fuck off. I know E. I didn't MC- actually know that what's, I didn't know that's what relativity was. That's impressive i don't know shit you could have you're the science do you guys think that einstein would have ever figured that theorem out if he ever listened to our podcast let's say podcasts were a thing back in his day and like he's right on the cusp of figuring this thing out and one day he's like oh i gotta i gotta get rid of this record player i don't want i don't want to be a part of people like russell in the future i'm gonna get rid of the record player not listen to this music i'm gonna listen to this podcast instead and he heard us and we would have just totally diverted him from figuring out the world Hmm, this is very interesting. E equals MC cubed? Oh, well, <laughs> off to Spencer's gifts to shoplift something. <laughs> All right. God, I have so many good impressions. Rob's doing Einstein impressions now? This is this What are is you, some court, of Einstein, some court of Einstein? God dang it, I'm dumb again. All right. Some court of Einstein. Just a court of Einstein, another pint of Newton, a bit of... Uh, one more scientist. Think of one more scientist, Rosie. Galileo, I guess. Nice. I don't know. <laughs> Good Paul. Galileo. Also a music figure, so I don't think that. If you're the Indigo Girls. All right. And then we have a Mercy Mercy. Are they on the list? This is an unbelievable song. This is the one that messes me up, man, because I'm living through an environmental disaster. He was talking about it before anyone else was. This, he was talking about it so early. Fishful mercury. All he was that. talking about it so early that they had to explain to Barry Gordy what the word ecology meant. Right. Like, that's wild. And, and not only that, Marvin Gaye is so freaking cool that he can sing a song about ecology, and it's the number two single on this album. Like, and I just took my pants off. Like, imagine what ladies I, were doing. Can, Ooh. Listen, I just, Ooh. you know, baby, I just want to save the wetlands. All right. And I have to keep that in now. <laughs> my final change is a bumble profile tonight to see how it works tomorrow. <laughs> Original Funk Brother wants to save your wetlands. Uh, all right. Right on. I mean, listen to this. Here we have that. This groove this is, is just uh Wiro solo. Russell, let's see that Wiro action. Oh, he's taking his pants off. Why is he doing that? I was trying to find a Santana. This one sounds song. like the band War to me. That's where I'm feeling the, the West Coast influence. Yeah, Santana, West Coast, Bay Area Zone. This is what I'm saying. This is the West Coast song. God, to me. Those drums I mean, it's just crazy. Also, I it turns out I love jazz flute. I just love jazz flute. I love Rasan Roland Kirk. Get it ready, I love Rob. The Eric Dolphy Get it ready, Jazz Rob. stuff from his live and you like album, Rassan, and I love. You like Rasan Roland Clerk? You fucking noob. Yes, You're I a love jazz Rassan flute Roland noob. Get it ready, you Rob. Idiot. Has, has jazz flute ever been referred to in media before? Other than wasn't like it referred to an anchor man? This has to be the first time it's ever been yeah. referred to. An anchor man, yeah. yeah. Rosie thought he was serious. He's like, oh yeah, Aqualung. It's not even jazz. Lord's <laughs> like, Aqualung's not even jazz flute. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Eric Dolphy has a fucking rad jazz uh, flute recording off of his Live in Europe album. You guys should check it out. Russ bought it at Target. (laughs) Yeah, I think I did. They didn't. I I went through the jazz flute section in Target. They didn't have anything there. It was kind of disappointing, but they had record players. It was picked over. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was half the store, the jazz flute section. Yeah, Target really ought to change their focus. No wonder they've been struggling through this global pandemic. It's Carl Malone holding a flute. Oh, God, I just... Aaron, can it. you... I have a serious question, though. Do you listen to a song and you say, oh, yeah. I can hear the jazz flute? What? Um, no, I just... I mean, yeah, I can hear the flute in this song. And what I'm saying is there are other songs I really enjoy. His wife rolls up that limo driver window. Okay, honey, great. I'm glad you can hear the jazz flute. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying I enjoy the flute in the... I think think Rosie's going to have to come up with the top four jazz flute songs of all time for the next album. Oh. How can he only pick four? Go to the country, baby, I want to (laughs) go. Going to the country. Oh, that's a good song. Yeah. Uh, canned heat, right? Can we just restart oh, this? I would love to just do the whole the whole podcast about that song instead. Is this a Country Joe podcast now? <laughs> that is right, Country Joe and the Fish Bones. Rosie, I think it was Candy. I, I yeah. was thinking it was Canned Heat, but Aaron's I think you're right. Correct. No, no, I think you're right. Oh. It is Country Joe. It's Canned Heat. Okay, it, I thought maybe they're too mainstream. Aaron would know. Yeah, no, are. I'm saying it turns out I so I end up. You guys know I listen to the radio. What? There's a station that plays a lot of that plays K102 Jazz Flute featured all the time from nine to five. The they jazz play a lot flute. of jazz flute in the mornings. I don't know why. Crank that radio and listen to your jazz flute. I'm I listen to AM radio because they have the Wiro station. Also, I just heard a thumping noise on the deck out here. It, it may or may not be a bear. So if you guys never hear from me again, that's what's up. That's what's going on. Can you imagine if you get eaten by a bear and the last thing you said was something about a jazz flute? I'd probably rather get eaten by the bear listening to jazz flute than listening to Radiohead. And then at your funeral, we're playing um, sexual healing on a brass band. You guys get it. You guys, you guys get me. That's why I'm on this podcast. And we're, we're talking to your wife and we're like, listen, whatever your name is. We're so sorry that this happened. Are we talking to the Des Moines wife or the Oakland one? <laughs> what nights would you be willing to be on our podcast? <laughs> would you be able to be on our podcast now that Aaron is for recording? How uncomfortable would that be if you had multiple lives and when you died, they all had to come together and figure out like, hey, who's paying for oh. this? Who's paying for this expense? No. And that's who's going to be on the podcast? That's the most baller move. That's having multiple families. That's a huge, and then they don't find out until the funeral. Straight up baller. <laughs> totally, I could never do it. I've always been a big fan of polygamy. I think polygamy should be legal, but not me. Like my wife should have another husband. That's what I want. <laughs> I mean, she'd be like, "Oh, why didn't you wash the dishes before you put them in the dishwasher?" I'd be like, "Well, that was fucking Roy. <laughs> Roy thinks that the dishwasher washes dishes." It's the goddamn name of the appliance. It's what it does. We shouldn't have to wash the dishes before we put them in. Roy, you fucking idiot. And then I just give Roy the fucking business. And meanwhile, five minutes before, Roy and I have been playing, you know, Mario Kart together or whatever. Like, it'd be awesome. If my wife had another husband, that'd be great. I would love it. I also like that it's just your name with one letter change. Like that. Well, yeah. For, for all of our listeners out there, if you want to see some good jazz flute players, Google uh, Herbie Mann and look at the Herbie Mann push album that's when you're looking at a pull him up Ooh. rob so you can see what he looks like i don't know that one i mean many jazz flautists are multi-instrumentalists yeah, the, so like Rassan the is multi-instrumental eric dolphy multi-instrumentalist go to the image go to images go to images 
<laughs> Look at this guy. Oh, whoa. <laughs> no. Russell, Herbie Man Push. Just to give everybody an idea. There's a guy who kind of looks like one of my friend's dads from middle school who is holding a flute over his naked torso. That is your new Bumble profile now, Russell. Put your head on that picture and let's go. I have something to say here, but I realize if I say it, I can never take it back. I know Rob will say never it. delete it out of the podcast, so I can't decide if I should say it or not. Russell, I promise I'll delete it. You can trust me. When I raided my mom's record collection, the record this was under her mattress. The the artist that she had the most of, I think, was Jim Croce. Number two was Herbie Mann, the flute player. One hundred percent, there was at least five to six Herbie Mann albums. And this is the greatest moment on this podcast. I would I would be happy to go back and and sneak into the back back door like you know That's make sure the motion so detector doesn't go off sneak back into my mom's house okay. and there legit six to seven Herbie Herb, Herbert Mann Herbie Mann That's with two N's M A N N for all of our listeners. I even asked her about I didn't even ask her about most of the albums, but I did when I went up before I stole them all. I, I asked her. I said. Hey, who's Herbie Mann? And she was like, oh, he was some flute player who was really popular back in the 70s or whatever. That's Mr. Mann to you, Russell. Yeah, he does look pretty intimidating. (laughs) (laughs) For a flute player. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with that guy. I just got done playing the flute. Now I'm going to kick your ass. Maybe maybe we could get my mom to do a little cameo. We could talk about the Herbie Mann era back in the 70s. 100%, yeah. It's, 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 it's time for one-on-one. Herbie Man and Russell's mom. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. Good one. I legit had to sit there and and stew over whether I would say anything for about 45 seconds to a minute. No, I'm definitely going to cut it. Don't worry about that. Very happy that you said something. It's so good. My God. I like that Aaron, that Matt is taking the time to just, what did you, what did you trying to see if, I was trying to see if there's any other songs other than canned heat. And then, uh, you know, this song, <laughs> they had the jazz flute and Rosie actually knew what he was talking about. Oh. And, uh, can, can, I, I have to ask a really, really stupid question right now. Is, <laughs> is the jazz flute an instrument or is it just the flute playing jazz music? <laughs> it is. The, no, it's not a stupid question. As far as I know, it's the flute playing jazz music, but I could 100% be wrong. So I don't know. Maybe somebody has another another thought. But yeah, my thought is it's the flute playing jazz music. But it's typically like multi-instrumentalists. Like they'll play. Herbie Mann shows up with a regular flute and he's like, he's playing with the jazz band and he starts playing Flight of the Bumblebee. He's like, oh shit, this isn't my jazz flute. This is my regular flute. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be awesome if it was like some tuba looking instrument, like some some instrument like the, the big fat guys had to had to play in high school, but it made it sound like like the flute, like that would have been Rob's number one commandment. Don't show up with the tuba that sounds like a flute on the first date. Oh my god. Put that in your bumble profile, Russ. Big fat instrument, but it's a flute. Oh god. Do you think Herbie Mann's got a Twitter account? We gotta follow him now. Yeah, we gotta to follow Herbie Mann. This is officially a Herbie Man podcast. <laughs> and that's not on. even something that Rosie brought up. I can't even believe it. That's not even something that that's something that Matt and Russ had to talk about. I, did, I don't know. Herbie Am Man, I the coolest honest. guy on this podcast? Am I the normal guy on this podcast? Yeah. 
Oh, my. You don't know Herbie Mann, you fucking idiot. God. <laughs> Russell's mom and I were listening to all these Herbie Mann records. Uh, Rob, I'm going to go home and steal her. Let's pause this podcast for a minute. I'm going to go home, get a Herbie Mann album, and you're going to play it for our listeners right now. Let's just give them a little bit of listen. an amazing song. I, that was well, well worth me driving home, sneaking into my mom's house, stealing the eight Herbie Man albums and playing that song. That was fantastic. Is it true, Russell, that your mom caught you stealing the Herbie Man albums and cried for five straight minutes while he loaded up in the car and you didn't even care? No wonder my son's still single. <laughs> Can you imagine getting into some guy's car? And you look in the back seat, and there's like 30 Herbie Mann albums in the back seat with that one. Oh, man. Somebody was dating my daughter, and they pulled up with a Herbie Mann like, shirt on. I'd be like, uh-uh, out. Herbie Mann shirt on. <laughs> Guys, we got to get Herbie Mann shirts. We should call Spencer Gifts and see if they've got them in stock. <laughs> Herbie Mann skin flute. Spencer's Gifts. <laughs> That would be a holy, holy moment, Rob. <laughs> I caught it this time, Russell. I didn't just be like, huh? Oh. What are we talking about? Okay. So for all of Rosie's talk, I, this this is the one. Every album gets two. The good news with that song is it's a minute and I think 55 seconds left or something. It's It's very short. Don't you guys think, Aaron, you haven't really touched on this yet, but I kind of, when I was listening to this album, I, I started thinking, man, he, Marvin Gaye is just an amazing singer, right? Like, I know yeah. John Lennon is way up there on the list for amazing singers, but Aaron, what, what do you as a, as a singer, where do you kind of put Marvin Gaye on the all-time list? I think he's ranked six by Rolling Stone, so there's a few that are above him, but what, what is your, what are your impressions when you listen to him? Yeah, I, I should have mentioned that one of the things that I was like, when I was trying to learn how to sing as a 12, 13 year old kid, Marvin was one of the ones I was always trying to sing like. So I, yeah, he's, mm. he's, he does stuff that I could never do. Um, yeah. My personal list of, of singers includes uh, Otis Redding, Sam Cooke, Marvin, uh, David Ruffin from uh, the temptations. That's probably the top four for me. Was so, he the, was he the really low guy? No, he was the David Ruffin was the, um, was a- he was no, he was the lead singer on My Girl. Basically, he was like you know their their best you know main guy. But um, when I was growing up, my as a big guy, my favorite singers were any guys that could do the really low voice. So I was a big Oak Ridge Boys fan, Statler Brothers, uh, and the guy from uh, Papa was a Rolling Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Temptations had a good bass, but yeah, I, I mean, I've been super stoked, uh, and I don't want to give away my. Uh, my final rating, but yeah, this is the first album that we've talked about that has like a truly great voice, and Marvin is yeah to me one of the greats. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting yeah. though. That, that's Bob what Dylan I thought. Or at, Marvin Gaye. That's what I thought at first too, Aaron. But then when I was looking at the top five list, we don't need to go through them all. But John Lennon is actually ranked ahead of him, and that's, based on the albums geez, we've listened to, and this album that that's that was crazy. shocking to me. Like what what am sense. I missing here? I, I, that's a weird, that's a super weird choice. I mean, Marvin could have sung circles around John Lennon. That makes no sense. 
Also, I shouldn't have mentioned uh, my top four should not have been all males. That's uh, kind of embarrassing. Uh, Aretha and Whitney Houston, that you guys know, would also be in my in my top. So, but I don't understand how anyone would listen to Marvin Gaye and John Lennon and and think they're in the same class in any way. I believe I believe Aretha was ranked number one by Rolling Stone. The one, the only one I believe you did not mention was Ray Charles is number two. That was the only one you had not mentioned, Aaron. Oh, he's got a great. Voice Can you guys believe? Yeah, I can get down with that. Herbie Mann is ranked third on the Rolling Stones' greatest jazz flutist <laughs> what? of all time. <laughs> I know. Tunes number one. Number one is... Hold up the country. <laughs> Think of one other flute player. Oh, can't do it. Uh, I'm going to edit in something later that I say. I'm Ron Burgundy? Well, Jethro Tull is Aqualung, so, you, I mean, I don't know who played flute for Jethro Tull. We're going to look that up. Damn it. No, he did. Jethro Tull. Well, Jethro Tull's not the guy, right? I don't know. I don't know anything about that band. We started talking about Rastan Roland Kirk and Eric Dolphy, and you guys took it in a different direction. I can always relate to Jethro Tull because he's always like, looking at panties. He was like the old, he was like the Cisco (laughs) of the 70s, right? He's like, see the panties in the park. Back and forth. And I was like, I was like, this guy I could relate. Now you guys are stalling because you want to hear me go off about make me want to holler. You guys don't want to hear me. You don't want to hear what I have to say about make me want to holler. You're stalling. All right. So now this is our officially our longest podcast, but I don't think I'm going to edit much of it because I love it. Inner City Blues. This song. Shit. My God. This was the third single, and it was the third single off his album. Bass. This was the third single off his album to be Crack the Top Ten, making Marvin Gaye the first male solo artist in history to have three top ten uh, singles off a single album. And he wrote this in a month. Just the, the, the quiet intensity of this song is what I think about every day when I think about Jacob Blake and Brianna Taylor and George Floyd and Michael Brown and all those people who, you know, who have had to know those people and see them go and not see justice. I just think about the the simmering anger people must have to live with every day um, who are trying to raise black kids, who are trying to be around black people. Um, this is the song I think about the most. And it's the same fucking shit from 1971, just over and 1971, over. 1971, 50 years, 40 years. I can't even do math. No, 50 years, right? Yeah, almost 50 years. Some would say 49, but... It's not a math podcast. <laughs> it's not a math oh. podcast. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's also a great piece of music. The The bass is, again, great. The progression's great. And then anything with Marvin's vocals, you know, to me is great. But I should stop talking to you guys talk about the song. I honestly think Inner City Blues might be I, the best I, Yeah, song I think so, too. And it, it just, it, again, I'm, I like the construction of these albums kind of figuring out, you know, somebody makes a decision how to arrange them, where songs go and stuff. To have that as the last song is phenomenal. A way to end the album. Yeah, the sequencing, yeah. All right, so let's get to our final rating of this album. Rolling Well Tone. This is the rating system again. Taking the Nation by Storm. Our Instagram is blowing up, and it's definitely not just other podcasts that are following us and trying to get me to follow them. I'm telling you guys. It is a pathetic world out there trying to promote a podcast. It is the saddest group of people. They're like following me and you're like, I'm not going to listen to you. 
You're not going to listen to me. Why are we faking this? Why are we bothering with this? Who has time to listen Rolling to a well podcast toned. when you're recording a podcast? Like, there's no time for that. I don't have time to listen to podcasts. I am making my own art, talking about jazz flautas and protected wetlands. We're Please. the Eddie Van Halen of this <laughs> podcast shit. Yeah, don't act like your podcasts are equal to my podcast. We're bringing the shit over here, big time. Okay? Uh, our final rating system that I came up with, and not anybody else, is Rolling Well Toned. Which means that this deserves to be number six on the list. It's got rolling bone, meaning this is too low on the list. Is this album a rolling groan? It's too high on the list, uh, meaning that it should be lower on the list. Let's start with you, Matt. What do you think? Did it get is it rolling well toned, rolling bone, uh, or rolling you know, groan? Brief, quickly. I think it's very much a rolling well toned album. Um, you know, the musicality of it, the message from the lyrics, everything fits in perfectly and. Uh, you know, the construction of the album was awesome. And so it's very much a rolling well tone. Totally. All right, Russell, what do you think? Rolling well toned, rolling bone, rolling groan. Overall, I would say rolling well toned. I think the music is really beautiful and it's pleasurable to listen to and it's thought provoking. And I think Aaron said it best. I don't know if it was subtle, but whatever. However, Aaron characterized it earlier was was really articulate and spot on. And I just think the music is is really beautiful and thoughtful. Is it one of my five favorite albums personally ever, or five or six? Probably not, but I can absolutely see why it's ranked this high, so I'm going to say Rolling Well Toned. Aaron, what do you think? I mean, you know I'm going to say Rolling Boned. Uh, I think this is better than anything we've heard so far. It's real musicians playing real music, talking about real life. So, I'm going to say, and those are great answers, but the correct answer is actually Rolling What's, rolling what's Going On. With how low this is, this is this only has one bad song on it. This should be way higher. You can't tell me that there's five albums that are better than this one. When I was playing this around the apartment today, everyone listening loved it. They just could not get enough of it. And they like this even more than when I'm editing a podcast and listening to the same part over and over, trying to take out a breath. They like that more. They like Marvin Gaye more than listening to that. It was unbelievable. Uh, all right. So real quick, we're going to go to... We're going to go to the Beck line, 802-277-BECK. So we call this Get Beck to Us. <laughs> get Beck to Us. I wish my dates would get back to me more often. <laughs> Sorry, All Russ, right. I wasn't able to get back to you in the last few weeks. I was doing some background search for this podcast I'm doing, which... Happens to have a rival podcast out there, and we don't really know how to deal with it. <laughs> if you have a if you have a date say that to you, and they know you're doing the Beck Did It Better podcast, you need to get out of there because that is some misery shit. They're going to take you out to the woods. They're going to lock you up and make you do a podcast with them where you talk about jazz flautas. <laughs> did, did I tell you that I I, I finally used the podcast <laughs> in a conversation to see just just to see what happened? What Ooh. are you doing, you fucking <laughs> idiot? How did it go? Oh no. Um. It, there was a conversation going back and forth and, and she essentially said, you know, I said, you know, what's been the best part of your week or what are you looking forward to? And she said something and asked, well, what are you looking forward to? And I said, I'm taping this podcast I oh. do with my friends because oh, I was no. just like, why not? What, what's oh, the worst no. thing that happens? She ignores me like everyone else who's doing their background search instead of going out with me. And so <laughs> there was, she responded, but literally there was, absolutely zero response asking like what's the podcast there was nothing no regarding the podcast oh no telling people you have a podcast in real life is the saddest experience it's just it's pathetic this is the part of the show we call get back to us finally a question for rob uh, that i'd like to hear your opinion on 
If you had to choose a song from the first four albums that you guys have reviewed that you have to try to PR your deadlift to, which one would it be? Interested to know which one you would choose. Uh, great job, guys. Love the pod. Keep it going, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. So he obviously hasn't listened to the last couple of episodes because he says, great job, keep it going. Uh, and he also said there's only four albums. So we are talking about what are our favorite, and I'm going to extend this to everybody. I think we all know what it's like to max out on a deadlift. Uh, let's talk about what are our favorite songs to Rob, max why, why is out. he asking you this? Or do you power lift, or why don't you tell our listeners about your lifting? Why, why would he even I, ask you that? I do not like to talk about it, but I am currently the number one ranked uh, male power lifter over 120 kilos, over 40 years old. Yeah. Why do you guys refer to it as kilos? Nobody knows what the fuck that means. Why don't you just use pounds? <laughs> it's, it's actually it's actually really interesting to nobody else but me. But once you start lifting with kilo plates, you don't think about pounds anymore. Like when I'm lifting, I have no idea how many pounds it is. I know about, but it's it, every everything's in kilos, and pretty soon you just switch over to that. And then when you weigh yourself in kilos, you're like, oh. You know, 145 kilos. That's pretty good. Yeah. I can relate to that because I watch a lot of bike racing and I understand kilometers. Like I know kilometers when I'm watching bike racing. I couldn't I couldn't tell you how many cares? kilometers per hour I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Wow. That, that, we made it this far before someone yelled who the fuck cared. Like all the stuff I've done, like I took no. you guys down the round, like no one at, at any point yelled who the fuck cares. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to make that into a sound clip. Who the fuck cares? Just play it. Like, well, that would be played minutes. way too off with me. Let's not make that into a sound clip. But I want to know. I want to know the answer to the to the caller's question. Well, Aaron, uh, what song would you pick? I'm going to have you go first, which should be a sign that you picked a really good one <laughs> compared to us. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to switch it up because I've been stuck in quarantine, oh, no. so I haven't touched a barbell. I haven't touched a barbell since March. And so my deadlift uh, would not be great. So what I'm interested in is how quickly can I do 100 burpees? So I chose right on from the album that we're talking about right now because the quickest I've ever done 100 burpees is in nine minutes and 36 seconds. And so if I could put this song on... And I would finish totally come burpees. over and play the Weiro in your garage while you did burpees here. And I See would what I'm do that for you. If I could finish 100 burpees in the time that this song is playing, which is, what, like seven and a half minutes? I would be in rocking shape. Oh so that would be my max. I would be 100 burpees within right on. Matt's, Matt's on the wife, congas. I got a flute. Your third wife yeah, from Moyne is sitting in the corner like, wow, this band is amazing. <laughs> We're missing a jazz flute, me on. but the regular all, flute like player is pretty good. It's the perfect groove to do burpees to. It's just that's, what I'm, that's, what I'm, that's my choice. His current wife drives by with somebody new in the back seat and goes, man. All right. Uh, I think that was a good, <laughs> so funny to joke about. Uh, all right. So I think that was a good choice. I, you can really do a hundred burpees in nine minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. Like 10 every, every minute on the minute, um, starting at zero and then you start your last 10 at nine That's minutes. Crazy. I'm going to do that right now. Let's pause the podcast while I do that. Let's do it. <sighs> okay. So I did it in nine <laughs> minutes and 15 seconds. That really wasn't that hard. It turns out. All right. So. All right. So for me, my song that I would pick to max out to, this was a tough one because there's, you know, I was thinking about Yellow Submarine and I was thinking about the song where they yell at you to listen to the Beatles. But instead, the one I picked, like a Rolling Stone. Oh, that's a good choice. Oh, but it's Green Day. I didn't know Green Day covered this. You dumb shit. 
I enjoyed this. Wow. That was nice. It's 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 fitting that uh, somebody with a voice like that. Did you, did you say Dylan. that was Green Day? That was Green Day covering that. Yeah, that was Green Day covering Bob Dylan. I like that. And uh, yes, thank you. That's the best choice. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling pumped. I just did three burpees, and I I don't think I can ever get up again. Uh, Matt, what well, about you? I had this was hard question. I mean, we've got three Beatles albums. We've got the Beach Boys trying to figure out their feelings. We've got Bob Dylan trying to save the world and we're supposed to max out to to you know these albums so i you know i i went uh i went off the off the charts a little bit did a cover as well i did uh i think it was tom petty um and who else was on that jeff jeff lynn, lynn uh Mike george Harrison's kid and prince comes oh, in with a guitar man, solo here prince we may need to link to the video of this. It is the most the gangster thing right? on oh, is, is YouTube. Burn the house down. Yeah, Matt, I, and this tell, is, tell us why the end of this is so gangster. Well, Prince, one, Prince. he leans into the crowd. You know, he's got his bodyguards that pull him back up, and then as he's exiting the stage, he just throws his guitar in the air, and it doesn't come back down, and he walks off. So we'll have to. It is just awesome. <laughs> Next time yeah. I go out on a date, I'm going to throw my jazz flute in the air and it's going to disappear because Rob's <laughs> going to be like sitting up on the balcony and these women are going to be like, damn, that was impressive. You pick the right guy to have hide up in the rafters. <laughs> just me sitting up there. <laughs> Russell. Who's, Russell. Who's that man up there talking about his 10 high school commandments holding your jazz flute right now, Russell? <laughs> now, we all know Matt doesn't just max out once a week on deadlift. He's got to no, max got, out You got to do legs, so Matt, too, right? Great song. I mean, you can't just do upper butt. You got to yeah, do oh legs. Yeah. Well, deadlift are technically legs, but that shows how much you know, because actually you do use a lot of upper body when you do deadlift as well. So I like that. This, I have to say, Matt, this find blew my mind. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I, I, don't remember it? What, I don't remember what song it is, but. <laughs> <laughs> so good, Matt. I already forgot what it was. <laughs> this is like when you ask like your wife, like, oh, you remember our first date? And she's like, no. You're like, oh, okay, that was really important to me. This is a little band known as Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. Oh, this is nice. Wow. One of the greatest friendship songs ever. <laughs> Really oh my god. Come on, Matt. Lift it here. <laughs> Did I get low enough? Did I get low enough? <laughs> oh, this is nice. So everybody knows that that's Herb Alpert. I don't know if there was any jazz flute on that Herb Albert album, but it's pretty good. <laughs> and I realized I was just fiddling through the albums I stole from my mom. And the ninth song on the list is also Whipped Cream. So that has to be the title track from Whipped Cream and Other Fancy Delights, correct? It's got to be it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's got to be you it. You can't have. I think I think if you're the Tijuana Brass Band, you cannot have more than one song about Whipped Cream. <laughs> Do you think Herbert Mann and the Jazz Flute was featured on Tijuana Brass album or not? Uh, yeah, the brass. No, is it a, it's not a brass instrument. It's a woodwind. It's true. Yeah. You think there's an oboe on there? Get out of here. That double reed shit. <laughs> There's the perfect opportunity for your you're a dumbass drop or whatever you were gonna put in earlier, Bob. I can't do it. I'd play it too much. I play it more than my Aaron left field drops. <laughs> Russ, the ultimate deadlifter. Okay. 
when you're not on dates, you know, we know that you're out getting jacked. Okay, now that you, uh, you're, you're so jacked that your elliptical machine, only one half of it works. Only one half of it works. So, what is your song? My song, I was thinking about this. I knew we got this call because I, I monitor the phone phone lines daily, and we've got to got to delete that voicemail box because it's full so fast. we got to make sure it stays clear. <laughs> you know, Chris and I apologize for deleting your other 12 messages. Krista, it got yeah. a little bit overboard. <laughs> yeah, Krista, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Got a little overboard, but that was fine. You know, we appreciate your participation, even though if sometimes you're off point. We appreciate it. But so I started thinking, what is my de- my ultimate max song? If I'm going to max out and I'm going to I'm going to lift 112 kilos or whatever that means. And I was thinking, I don't think there's a Beatles song that does it for me. There's oh, not no. a Beach Boys song that does it for me. No. Bob Dylan doesn't do it for me. No. There's only one artist who has been featured on all of these, all of these podcasts so far that his song would do it for me. And Herb it turns Alper. out his song actually made it to number one on the Billboard charts. It's E-Pro by Beck. Yes. This is the choice. Oh, I, yeah. You this is it. it. Rob, could you set the new world on steroid record with this song? Absolutely not. <laughs> I do have the New York State squat record. You do it raw too, right, Rob? Actually, I have the New York. You know what? I have the New York State deadlift record too. So next time, if I'm at a meet where I get to pick a song, I'll pick Epro. Come out and I'll set a state record. And you know what you the know, fans will be chanting, Rob? Beck did it better. I was going to say, when it comes to songs that you can max out to, Beck did it better. All right. So that is it for today. Next week, we are coming back. Guys, this is crazy. We have a new band weeks in a row. Nice. Yeah. We're talking, but I will say this is going to confuse me. We're talking about the Rolling Stones <laughs> on the Rolling Stone Top 500 oh. album list with Exile on Main Street. This is going to be a disaster when I'm explaining that we're doing Rolling Stones on the Rolling Stone list to my dates this week. <laughs> Please don't do that, Russell. I'm begging you. I honestly, I feel terrible. Goodbye, podcast land. No, I don't like that. It's not. <laughs> when you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time. Did it better. All right, Andy Rosenberger here with the Little Rosie recap. So, excellent episode on Highway 61. Uh, first of all, the Aaron anecdote of the day. He mentioned that he owns three Dylan albums and is not sure how he came to own those. I'm certain that I gave him at least one of those, if not all of them. Uh, I guess it might have been a little more memorable if I would have given him a Ma Rainey record or something. Uh, I guess that just means that the rest of my vinyl gifting will have to go to Russell in his uh, little tin box record player kind of thing he's got going on. Uh, I mentioned going to a Hootie, sh- uh, Hootie and the Blowfish show and booing if Darius Parker plays his country tunes. I had that experience at the Iowa State Fair last year. Admittedly, the Iowa State Fair crowd was probably there to hear Darius Rucker play country. Uh, the Hootie stuff actually completely slapped, and I should have booed at the, the country sets that he played in honor of it, so I apologize for that. You thought Russell should maybe change his Bumble bio to Friends Road to the Danger Zone? It's a little bit 
high-minded, so probably would not elicit a whole lot of dry shaving, but uh, might help him find the woman of his dreams. So give that a try. Uh, great job, guys. Love the pod. Keep it going, and uh, we'll see you next week. You guys, the one, the cool thing I heard about the the coolest thing I heard about Marvin Gaye is he had two wives, one that was 17 years older and one that was 17 years younger. What do you think the youngest age and the oldest age that I could date would be? <laughs> oldest, 85. Don't go any older. Don't go any older. If, you, if you're dating somebody, they need to know who Herb Alpert is. That's how you know they're the right that's the only. That's your only barometer. Hey, do you want to go to this Herbie Mann concert tomorrow night? <laughs> I got to get my walker.